0: Welcome to the Christian Faith Fellowship Church podcast. We are a church that believes in praying, going, and life-changing discipleship in Jesus. We are so glad you've joined in for this message. If you enjoy what you hear, follow us to stay connected with our future updates and podcasts. Here's our Wednesday night refire. Our good God loves broken people. Grab a Bible and a notebook and get ready to learn. Here we go. Well, oh, good evening cffc god bless you and thank you for being here on this wonderful wednesday evening when it's nice and warm and beautiful outside and i don't care what the weatherman says we're gonna joy in the lord in the warmth of his grace and father we just thank you lord god for this time that we have in the word i thank you lord for anointing this vessel to share the word and to bring forth a message, Father God, that's going to encourage people, and Father, that it's going to lift them up. And Father, I thank you for this, in Jesus' name, amen. So my message for tonight is, our good God loves imperfect people. You know, it's an amazing thing, because when I read the Bible, I see many people that are the way we are many times, and the way that God leads us into his service and into his love, and it's an amazing thing how many people in the Bible are actually broken, and yet God used them greatly. I want to start out in Judges chapter 11, Judges chapter 11, verses 1 through 8 in the New Living Translation. And forgive me if I mispronounce this name, but I've been working on it a lot trying to get it right. And verse 1 says, Now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. Boy, what a great start that is, right? How awesome that is to hear that. Man, can you imagine going through history hearing, oh yeah, Jephthah, he was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, But his mother was a prostitute. What a letdown. I mean, you go from, oh, he was a great warrior to his mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also had several sons, and when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. You will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said, for you are the son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Soon he had a band of worthless rebels following him. At about this time, the Ammonites began their war against Israel. And I'm going to cut off right there a little short, but I just want to tell you, in everything that he did, God used him to defeat the enemies of Israel and to judge Israel and watch over her. It's an amazing thing how to start out with, oh, he was the son of a prostitute. He's disqualified right off the bat. And yet, God says, I'm going to take the disqualified and qualify them, and I'm going to lift them up. The reason that I'm bringing these things out today is very simple. How many times have we been in the place where we felt totally, completely broken and unusable. You know, I get amazed when I talk to people how many people's self-esteem is literally below the floor. And it's because of the way they were raised, maybe because of the way they were spoken to, maybe somebody mistreated them, and they take that on as an identity. You know... It's an amazing thing to me that we are not identified by what other people say about us. We're identified by what God says about us. The next one I want to share with you is 1 Chronicles chapter 4. It's only two verses, verses 9 and 10, and again, it's out of the New Living Translation. And this one here, I love this. I love how this person took... And adversity, and turned it completely around, and how God honored it and you're pretty familiar with this one, I'm sure there was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. <laughs> Jabez was a pain. That's what his mother basically named him. Can you imagine that? Walking around for life and hearing, oh, there goes the pain. There goes the pain. There goes the great pain. And yet, what did Jabez do? Jabez prayed to the Lord because he had a vision, he had a dream, and he knew what the Lord was going to do with him. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And here's the best part of the verse. And God granted him this request. It's amazing to me how Jabez Could have walked around going, oh, I'm just a pain. Nobody loves me because I'm a pain. I caused great pain to my mother, great pain to my family. I was nothing more than a pain no matter what I did. And yet he didn't do that. He picked his head up. He looked up to God and he says, Lord, bless me indeed. And keep this evil from me. Don't let me fall to what they said about me and then expand my territory. I got two more I want to share. One of them I have the scripture for. The other one just kind of jumped at me this morning in my devotional. In Joshua chapter 2, in verses 1 through 6, and we're familiar with this one. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp At Acacia Grove, he instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land, So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy the whole land. And Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. And actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. The amazing thing about this is she's disqualified right off the bat. She's in Israel. She's a prostitute. She's she's below the dirt, basically, as far as people see her. And yet, she took an adversity and turned it to something great. What's amazing to me is later on, we read that she's in the lineage of Jesus Christ, and it says that we're going to celebrate her for all of history for what she did. It amazes me that Rahab took what could have been such an adversity of imperfection that would have disqualified her in everybody's eyes, and yet turned it to the Lord for his goodness, and he raised her up. The last one, and I'm just going to tell you about this one from Luke, and that is the prodigal son story. I am so taken with this story that I get something new out of it every single time I read it. Here's this son who demands his inheritance from his father, He goes out and he parties, he's with other women, he drinks, he does whatever, and literally, he totally disqualifies himself from everything. He literally moves himself to a place where he knows he can't receive the grace of his father, let alone the grace of God. And he's he's out there, he's in a pigsty, he's in the muck, he's in the mud, he's in the mire, and he's feeding them pig slop. And it turns around, and he looks at them and says, well, they're eating better than I am. I don't know, maybe this is what I should do. And then finally, it says he comes to himself, and he returns home. The father runs out to meet him, puts the robe on him, puts the ring on him, puts on a great barbecue, but then comes the other side of the story. The son who was qualified because he stayed with his father, he did the right things for duty's sake. I want you to hear that, for duty's sake. He did his duty. And then he got very jealous because his father put on this celebration He's like, don't you know I was with you all this time? Don't you know what I did? Don't you know how much I've done? Don't you know that I did everything you asked and you gave me nothing? And the father looks at him and says, well, everything that I have is already yours. What were you thinking? See, what disqualifies us isn't the name we're given. It isn't even our prior life actions. What disqualifies us is if we're doing things with the wrong motivations. We have to be motivated for God. We need to humble ourselves to do what he calls us to do in the manner that he calls us to do it. And I'm going to share this with you personally For me. There was a time when I first started sharing the gospel that I tried to be somebody else. I tried to act like them. I tried to talk like them. I tried to do everything else. Was it out of disrespect? No, it wasn't. It was really out of honor. But then one time I was praying because I was so uncomfortable about it, and very clearly I got in my heart, I didn't create you to be them. I created you to be you. And boy, that changed my whole motivation. Now, everything that I do... And I still make mistakes. I'm not perfect. I've shared that with everybody. I've made that clear. Anybody that knows me has seen that. I don't have to expand on it. But my motivation is that I want to glorify God and Jesus with everything that I do, with every part of my ministry, with every part of my life. I want to glorify him. I want to lift him up. And that qualifies me. That qualifies me to do the things that he calls me to do, and beyond that, I love doing that kind of stuff. First Peter five six says, "So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor." I've had many people that have spoken to me, oh, God's really put this on my heart and he wants me to do this. Okay, well, you know what you do? You get faithful. You do what he's called you to do and you do the best you can to line up and learn it. But in the meantime, humble yourself before him. Remain faithful to where you are and in due time, he will lift you up. He will make way for you. And he will lift you up in honor. That's a big thing. Because you're not looking for glory. But it's amazing that God wants to put glory on you as you serve him. That doesn't mean people are praising you. That doesn't mean you're being glorified before people, it means that he's placing his glory upon you. You know, I love watching some of our singers in the band and our band members. I love watching the looks that come on their face when they're right in the middle of their anointing. It changes their whole demeanor because you can see that they're right in the middle of where God has called them, and you can watch the glory of God come upon them. I watch that with our children's workers. I see that with our... It's really fun to look at, like yesterday I saw this post on Facebook from Christian Faith Fellowship Church, and there's Dan Parada out there with his funny-looking hat on and his gloves and everything else, and he's got this huge, spotlight of a smile on his face because he's right in the middle of his anointing. He's out there helping people, and he's opening doors, and he's, good morning, how are you? Welcome to church, it's so good to see you. He walks out there and helps people from their cars up to the doors. You know what? He doesn't do that for his glory. It's nice to hear people say, oh, what a nice man he is. Oh, thank you, Dan, for help... What that is, is that's the glorification of God coming upon him, and it raises up that smile from way down deep inside of him, and that look in his eyes that I don't care if it's two degrees outside. I'm out here. I got my hat on, or at Christmas time, he's got his reindeer hat on or whatever else and his little blinking lights and everything, and he just does that for God's glory. It's an amazing thing to watch God do that. He lifts people up. He honors them for what he has them do. In Isaiah 57, verse 15, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit in another translation, it says, in a broken heart, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. You now, God loves a broken heart. And it isn't a broken heart as in, oh, everybody around me is gone, my family's deserted me, whatever else. It's a broken heart that says, Lord, I give my heart to you. I thank you that you use me, that you love me, that you're going to lift me up, and that you're going to heal the brokenness inside of me. I'm going to share another little personal note here. That was one of the scriptures that I held on to after my beautiful bride went to the Lord. And I had a really tough time for a number of months Maybe a year, maybe a little more. I'm not sure. I didn't keep track of the timeline. But I just kept going back to the Lord and saying, Lord, I love her. I still love her. I always will love her. But Lord, I love you, and I want to live for you. I didn't die with her. I'm still here, and I need you to heal the broken heart within me. I have watched him do a miracle inside of me, and I didn't even become conscious of it until I realized one day, wait a minute, he did heal my heart. I have some joy in my heart right now. And I look up every day expecting to be with her soon, but God healed that broken heart. He took that and he lifted it back up and said, I gave you joy. I gave you peace. I gave you a smile and a hug. Go share it. And I and it just it's spoken to me so much lately about this scripture that He did take me in. Heal my heart that He raised me up. Isaiah fifty three five in the New King James. This is a scripture that we are all very familiar with. But He uh, He was wounded for our transgressions; He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. You know. I, I look at that scripture, and I look at the scripture in 1 Peter 2.24, and I look at Psalm 22, and I see what our Lord went through. At the time of his human condemnation, I hope you hear me right about this, when he was accused, when he was arrested, when he was tried, when he was beaten, when he was totally torn apart when he was placed onto a cross. I look at that and I say, in my human mind, how much more disqualified or imperfect or broken could any human be than in that condition? And yet, after he was buried, he rose on the third day in the honor and the anointing and the full glory of Almighty God. And his goodness was revealed for what it was. Every time I think of that, it breaks my heart. Because I think how many times in my life I felt totally disqualified. That's why now I try my absolute best. I don't always succeed, trust me. But I try my absolute best not to listen to disqualifications and not to accept the feelings of it, but rather to say, by faith, No, God has raised me up. He's healed me, he's honored me, and he's anointed me. And that isn't just for ministry. He anointed me as a husband. He anointed me as a father. He anointed me as a grandfather, as a great-grandfather. He anointed me as a man. He anointed me to be one who could love people that are so broken that they feel unlovable. In Romans 8, 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul shared these scriptures, and I believe in all my heart that Jesus knew these in his heart when he hung on the cross. I believe in all my heart that this is the kind of anointing that came on Jabez, that came on Rahab, that came on Jethro, that came on that prodigal son. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I specifically think of Rahab and the prodigal son and even myself. There was a time when sin had me so consumed, had them so consumed, that there was nothing that we felt worthy of. And yet, God's great grace lifted us out of that darkness and stood us up and put us into a place where we could be used to show his glory. I really pray you're catching this because this is really out of my heart. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, Apostle Paul again, each time he said, My grace is all you need. This was when the messenger of Satan, the thorn in the flesh, had come against Paul. And the word says, My power works best in weakness. Are you feeling broken? Are you feeling weak? Well, that's the time to put your hands up and start to praise him and ask him to fill you because his power is glorified in your weakness so that the power of Christ can work through us. And that's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong in him. You know, I read the Voice of the Martyrs magazine every month, and I pay attention to their podcasts, and I listen. I've been to their conferences, and one of the things that spoke to me was hearing a man say to me, pray for us that are persecuted. And we think we have persecution here. We haven't arrived yet in what they have. But what he said to me was, pray for us in our persecution that we never want to avoid it, but that yet we'll look to God in the middle of it and that he'll use us. Just knowing what some of these people have gone through, not only have they been martyred, they've been tortured, they've been beaten, some of the women in other countries have been raped, they've they've had horrible things happen to them and yet they pray that those things don't break that they don't become prideful and that they can glorify God in their weakness i don't know about you but i want to glorify god in my weakness i want to glorify god at every moment of my life in philippians 2:13 For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I found out something recently. The more I please him, the more I'm pleased. He wants to give us the desires of our hearts. And when we're pleasing to him, the desires of our hearts become even more. They become even more viable and more real to us. In Ephesians 1.19, in the New Living Trans- uh, Translation, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty Power that raised Christ from the dead. I don't know about you, but I want that power in me. I want to be able to have people look at me and say, I see the power of God. Not for me, for Him. I want to glorify Him with every moment of my life. And I know. I know, I run into people all the time that remind me of who I was before Christ, how broken I was. And yet, to see what God's doing and what he's already done, I I just, sometimes I get so caught up in awe and wonder at God's grace and his mercy. I get so caught up in what he's done. It just, it's beyond words. And Ephesians 3.20, in the New Living Translation, now all glory to God, who is able. Do you believe he's able? Because he is through his mighty power at work within you, to accomplish infinity more than we might ask or think. And that's infinitely, sorry, more than we might ask or think. You know, I can ask and think pretty big. I can imagine things that are beyond a lot of people's understanding. But he wants to do more. He wants to do much more. We bring glory to him when we bear much fruit in his name. When we can step out of ourselves and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to leave that brokenness. I'm going to leave that lack. I'm going to leave that thing that was spoken. I was speaking to somebody who's very dear to me, and I really never understood this. We kind of grew up together and everything else. And I was speaking to them, and there was something said to them when they were a child. And I never realized how broken that made them. It was a simple statement about their appearance, and it stuck. And in the middle of a conversation, it came out that that was how they saw themselves. And I turned around, and uh, I just looked at them, and I said, You are fearfully, wonderfully made in the image of God. You are perfect. You're beautiful. You're awesome. You're intelligent. Yeah, I know, but I don't feel that way. Well, stop feeling and start understanding what God says about you. You're his masterpiece. You're his miracle. You're not broken. You're not ugly. You're not any of those things. And, you know, I've had to speak that to myself my whole life because I look in the mirror and I'm kind of like I see who I was and I see who I was told I was. And I've had to work on washing those thoughts, transforming this by the faith of the word of God and saying I don't care what my image looks like, I don't care what my speech might be. I don't care if I mispronounce a word because my heart is right before the Lord. My heart is for him. My heart was broken and it's still broken in a way, but in a good way because I know I can do nothing without him, but everything through him. And the last scripture I want to share with you is one that I know I've shared many times. This is one of those scriptures that I lean on for me all the time. And I'll repeat it or read it to you first, and then I'll go ahead and paraphrase it in a Bob paraphrase. 2 Corinthians five seventeen and 18 says in the New Living Translation, this means that Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Here's the Bob paraphrase I was broken. I was worthless. I was of no good. To anyone. I was junk. I was garbage in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of many people. I was so broken that I didn't think I could ever be used. And yet, God, in his infinite grace, in his great power, and his awesome love, turned me into a son, a friend, and a fellow heir of Jesus Christ And now he has told me, go out and tell everyone of my goodness. See, that's the Bob paraphrase that. That's where I bring it around to. I'm more than a new creation in him. I was so broken that I've only belonged in the garbage dump. I was dead in myself. And then he came in, And life throws up. And now I want to give that life to many other people. And the reason that I finished with that verse is, I just want to throw this out there to every one of you. I pray there's many watching tonight. And I pray there's many watching that are saying, wow, that message was right to me. It was, and it is. And now I want to offer you an opportunity to know the God that I know, to know the Jesus, the one that stands inside of you and raises you up, that can heal you. And there's only two things he asks, that we call upon his name and believe. So right now, if you would repeat after me, Jesus I ask you to come into my heart. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died and rose again. And because of that, you have given me the great grace and the love to become your child. And I thank you for this. I repent of my sins and I thank you for your forgiveness and I glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to bless you. Please, if you prayed that prayer, let us know. My email is on the screen. The phone number for the church is on the screen. We want to help you on your walk. And now, Father, we bless your people. We glorify you through them. We thank you, Lord, that you place your spirit upon them. If there's any out there that they feel lack or they feel unworthy, Lord, show them who they are in you and who they can become. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your glory. And we thank you for your goodness. We bless your people. And we pray, Father, that you give them an abundant life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, everybody. God bless you, and we will see you on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. right here in church. God bless. Have a great night. Bye-bye now.